Hello, friends. Welcome once again to the Perfect Bound Podcast. This is a podcast all about anything and everything comic books and comics related, brought to you by the Panel Jumper and Comics Dungeon. My name is Ben. With me, as always, is Chris Casso. Hello. Cole Hornaday. Hi. And, of course, Nicole Am. Well, hey. Why? Hey. <laughs> How is everybody this fine, cold evening? Well, I think as of this episode, I'm a whole year older, am I not? You are. Yeah. This episode Happy is birthday. coming. Yeah. This episode is coming on you, coming to you New Year's Eve day. Yeah. So we have a new year for both of us. Indeed. <laughs> so excited. All right. So let's <laughs> let's talk about our first subject of the day, which is okay. not really thematically connected to the new year, but whatever. We're t- let's talk about swiping <laughs> in the comic book world. We talked about an instance where a creator was caught stealing artwork. Uh, the creators of Husband and Husband were right. caught plagiarizing somebody for a different project, and so um, I think it was Boom Studios canceled the Husband mm-hmm. and Husband print. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so let's talk about plagiarism in the comics world. How rampant is it? Did people used to just turn a blind eye to it? When And a well, question that I have is uh, where do you draw the line between bla- plagiarism and archetypes? Because I've heard plagiarism in two different contexts here. One is straight up copying, like straight up redrawing. Mm-hmm. And one is, well, you know, so-and-so is an archetype of Spider-Man. Or like, no, like Deadpool is an archetype of... Spider-Man. Uh, Deathstroke a, and Deathstroke. Spider-Man. Yeah, and so, so is, is Deadpool plagiarized of those characters? He's a pastiche. <laughs> so there's many words. Yeah. There's many yeah. words. I went deep into this. <laughs> All right, um, well, well, bring it. So if you're saying just swipe, you're generally saying the intentional copying of a cover, panel, or page without crediting the original artist. Then another term is cloning. Um, it's not technically swiping, but it's when an artist makes a career based on cloning another art style. Ooh. And so so visually, stylistically, they're very similar to somebody else. And then there's pastiche, which is, you know, kind of when you, when you Deadpool. Um, <laughs> and there were a few other terms, I guess, I just didn't write them down. But uh, it's worth noting, like, so you said, like, how rampant it is. I mean, it's yeah. been rampant forever in the industry. The Golden Age, many Golden Age artists kept swipe files of materials to be copied. Mm. And uh, Bob Kane, oh boy, that Bob Kane. <laughs> uh, Bob, let's see, Bob Kane's stories are littered with poorly traced swipes from far more skilled artists, including Henry Valet, Tom Lavelle, and Hal Foster. Um, everybody's everybody swiped. Kirby, there's a, somebody uh, attributed Kirby to a Hal Foster swipe at a certain point, which made sense. He uh, based a character, the demon, off of a Hal Foster comic. Um, and uh, let's see here. From 1991 until at least 1997, the Comics Journal kept a swipe file, which documented perceived swipes. Hmm. And uh, I've got a website here that's a great one to find. It's uh, artswipes.tumblr.com. Um, and uh, they, it's it's a there's so many great swipes you could find in there. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Dan Fraga, I think. Uh, swiped a lot from everybody. But like David Mack, Greg Land, Brian Hitch are rampant swipers. Um, and nobody punishes them. See, that's what I was wondering. Because it seems like back in the day, back in like the com- comics infancy, it just seemed like it was 
part of the business. You got to get stuff out. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a lot of like not credited artists because a lot of hands were working on stuff. The the only record I could find of somebody being uh, of it having a negative effect on his popularity was Keith Giffen. Um, Back in 1986, he was one of the most popular artists in the industry, but he had a swiping controversy that hurt his reputation because he was caught swiping a lot by Jose Antonio Munoz. And uh, and he he talked about it and he just said sometimes he goes so deep into researching and loving somebody that you just end up doing stuff that's been Mm -hmm. a common excuse i guess yeah it happens in music as well you know you Mm -hmm. hear certain tones and stuff i know people who won't listen to stuff just because they don't want to get it in their head right you know yeah but that's more i would consider that an homage because you are paying tribute um and for and frequently you'll see uh cover artists who will lift from another illustrator um, John Byrne would do it all the time. He'd live from Kirby, but he'd also put a little note, a little credit. That's yeah. the trick. Something If you just miss putting the credit in, yeah. that's where it sucks. Mm. Um, one of my favorite creators who does the Battle Angel Alita stuff, uh, Yokiko, uh, I can't remember the rest right now, um, They there's a big chunk of uh, a martial arts fight scene that is is swiped a lot of from uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil run, mm. um, a lot of ninja stuff. And it's just like, it's, it's obviously tribute, but it's just... Didn't put the didn't yeah. put a note, and it's hard to put those notes sometimes in the actual paneling. So it's like, okay, that sucks. Um, on a on a funny note, I just saw this one uh, uh, exchange between people on a website. Um, I can't really say this website on here because you'll bleep me. It's uh, <laughs> F No Greg Land Tumblr, and uh, but there's this. So Greg Land uh, traces and swipes a lot from porn. And from uh, muscle magazines and stuff like that. And he swipes himself. He swipes everything. But uh, somebody said, hey, remember that time Greg Land drew three black men on the same page and they were all identical down to their hairstyle despite being distinct, not clones and unrelated? And the reply was like, that's so weird and lazy because there's more than a few black pro wrestlers he can trace. (laughs) Just like, yeah. I think the part about it that hurts me the most is just it's lazy. It's just yep. lazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I wanted to spend more time researching as far as uh, maybe internationally there's different things. I always got the impression that uh, the manga community was very harsh. Like, at least reading some editorial stuff years ago, I kind of got the impression that they will just tar and feather you, hmm. um, which is, a, ooh, bring that here, please. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. But, yeah. Because I remember reading an article... And this is a couple of years ago. Maybe you read it. Maybe you referred it to me. But there's like a subculture, a manga subculture of fans swiping Mm. where they just trace and then they tell their own stories around the swiping Mm. that they do. And it sounded like fanzines, but a little bit higher up. Mm -hmm. And that's where it got, I started getting really confused about how copyright was managed in Japan with all this. Because I remember, I think at the time I was actually... um, watching like the ring movies and stuff like that and trying to figure out because because there were different comics in china and japan um and throughout uh asia that were ring properties but not necessarily owned nor monitored by a core corporation or something Mm. um like you know you can get away with doing your own version of this in china because no one can sue you um and it just it just got really confusing to me how yeah. it was how 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 IPs were protected. Right. Yeah. It's it's. I mean, sometimes it's like certain public domain or con- like Slenderman. Like, sure. There's all sorts of things that can be made with Slenderman, but like, but that's folklore. It's legal. Uh, sure. 
Yes. Yeah, no, it's folklore. It was created for the um, yeah the, yeah yeah for, the website for the website yeah and it was a collective yeah um, creation that became that literally became uh, got a life of its own sure yeah uh, so are you saying Slenderman originally was open source it was yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it open was what was the name a... Angry Pasta Scary Pasta yeah. Creepy Pasta Creepy, Creepy Pasta, pasta. <laughs> thank you I love how, I love how you heard Angry Pasta and you're like absolutely accurate Angry Pasta all about it frustrated pasta yes. uh. but yeah now there's, there was a Slender Man film released this yes. last year it, that, that I, never should have happened yeah yeah but but you know there were the two little girls in Wisconsin right. who tried to kill their classmate yeah but that's actually kind of a worse story than this Hollywood Well, what I'm saying is that this this open source creation permeated, and I'm getting way off the beam, right, but yeah. it went from folklore to uh, fetishism, uh, what have you. So, hmm. yeah. yeah, and yeah. here here in the States, we can do things like with parody and stuff like that yeah. as well. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if you touched on that. Did you have more? Uh, that's pastiche. Oh, no, oh, I didn't talk pastiche? about parody. Um, but pastiche for me is, uh, my definition is, what does not get you sued? And right, That's Deadpool. You know, uh, it's not copyright infringement. Right. Parody, parody gets you into that place too. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, that's where it's just kind of like you change things just enough, and it's safe. Mm -hmm. Parody know? is actually protected, right? In yeah. the, the U.S. copyright code, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, cool. Which is why Mad Magazine is still a thing. Yeah. I think it's like parody, and the other term is if it transcends the original source material and becomes yeah. something else. Mm -hmm. So transcendency is another odd. Hard to define concept. Yeah. So. Hmm. So. Transcend. Yeah. Define transcendency, Senator. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we have anything else we want to say about swiping? Swipe or no swiping? Well, I, <laughs> it, it's kind of related, but I, I uh, uh, read um, um, a classic uh, Will Eisner uh, graphic novel called The Dreamer recently. And I learned a new phrase, Roman, Romana Clef, which is a historical. A, a story based on history, but all the names have changed to protect the guilty and the innocent. And the dreamer is actually uh, about uh, Eisner's story, where he was—he uh, had started up his studio with—I can't remember who it was—but um, he was hired to essentially create a rip-off comic book of Superman called Wonder Man. Hmm. Um, and there were numerous, but it's his story in, uh, it's his biographical story of the situation and the lawsuits and all that stuff, uh, because that was the first time, uh, it was, uh, it wasn't DC at the time. What was it called? Um, I, I'm not, I don't know what you're talking about at all. So I'm, I'm not familiar with it. Wonder Man was a ripoff of an intentional ripoff of Superman. Um, right. Back in the day that yeah. Will Eisner was hired to do. Right. But I can't remember what DC comics was called back in the day. Detective Comics? No, I had another name. There was a name before that, but it's yeah, not yeah, coming yeah. in. But anyway, yeah. yeah I but know. I learned this cool word that, like, when you tell a historical, when you, you know, when you tell this historical story and then change all the names, it's called Roman Aklef. Oh. That was kind of cool. Cool. Nice. Um, and I do recommend The Dreamer. It's because I remember reading about that story in um, a, a book about the history of DC Comics, but it was cool to hear Pfeiffer tell it, but he didn't tell it, but he told it through a fictional. Mm -hmm. Uh, lens or fictional framework, and I thought that was interesting. All right. <laughs> Have any of you caught an instance of swiping or plagiarizing in a comic? Have you looked oh, at yeah. a panel and you're like, wait a minute, I've seen this before. Yep. You the, have? Of course you have. Well, <laughs> the, the one the one I caught was is just uh, um, uh, David Mack uh, swiping uh, Adam Hughes because they're 
horribly different styles. So when you're suddenly reading the David Mack and you see an Adam Hughes panel, you're like, what? <laughs> Let me look at the the credits here. Where did yeah. no? What's happening? Huh? Um, so yeah, that one was like utterly painful, and that one is highly documented online. National uh-huh. periodicals. Oh, uh, gotcha. All right, you just were not gonna let that go, were you? <laughs> have you met me? Yeah, have you met him? <laughs> I <seriously? have. laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. That's not the information I keep in here anymore. (laughs) Let's move on. Seeing as how this is our final episode of the year 2018, let's talk about our favorite things that happened this year and our top five comics and trades. So who wants to who wants to tell me what was what their favorites were? Chris, you have a list right in front of you. I do. Um, this was difficult for me because like, a lot of the stuff I read this year was from like 2015. Um, <laughs> and I don't care as much about single issues, so that was even more difficult. But I got some. Um, for trades, I put down uh, Petite, which uh, Nicole reviewed a little while ago. That one was just a, a complete fantastic package for me. And not many things come in that just like wow me right off the bat. And that's by uh, Hubert Boulard and Bertrand Gattignol. Um, the uh, the old ages book Estranged by Ethan M. Aldridge. Um, that one just, it just hit me in a good way, and I loved his artwork. Um, the series To Your Eternity has just been consistent, so that's kind of a cheat. I'm, it's like four volumes this year or something like that. A lot came out this a year. A lot came out yeah. this year. But that one is just, uh, I, I have to read it immediately and I can't put it down and it makes me sad. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> also on the flip side of that, uh, two volumes came out this year of the otherworldly Uzakaya Nobu, which is the one about the the magical uh, um, bar that shows up in a medieval town. That one just makes me happy. I just read the second <laughs> volume this week and it just made me smile. And then uh, Anne Frank's uh, diary that I reviewed uh, last ep- or yeah last episode, that one uh, it just just so well um, executed. Um, so for trades, those were my top five. For singles, I only could think of three. Um, I'm sure there were others. I just couldn't think of them. Murder Falcon, uh, which was a new series that's only two in this year by Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer. It is a uh, about a um, down on his luck rocker who uh can summon a uh a fighting falcon with a metal arm to destroy demons <laughs> it is very metal it is full of kaiju monsters um it is uh, a therapy book for the creator and it's just like this is great uh and then the immortal hulk um i'm gonna say the first issue because it just got the tone just right for me and every issue since then has been solid uh, Injustice 2, number 35, was the wedding of Killer Croc and Orca. I didn't even read it, and it's the best thing ever. Yes. Um, it is, I mean, it got me posting pictures of it on Facebook, so it, it, it wins. Best wedding, 2018. Yep. Um, I'm going to throw in uh, an issue of Transformers, just because they're so hard to choose, but Lost Light 23 had one of the best uh, moments of... Uh, the book it literally had like six climaxes, but the best one was where they undershot one of the climaxes where there's this horrible eldritch monster that's possessing like a tiny little uh, uh, eight ball size machine. And it says like, 
you know, we, we control all, we will destroy all, you can't defeat us no matter what. But it's being held by a little tiny person that's the equivalent of a hobbit in the in the Transformer universe. And they literally just crush it in their hands and they're like, oh, you didn't see that coming. <laughs> and so it's just like you, you completely threw out that one climax and, and gave us a nice fun ending. Um, so, yeah, those were... Those were my best of books. All right. Uh, Nicole, do you have uh, favorite books from this year? Uh, well, thank goodness I uh, have kept a comic journal most of this year because I couldn't, I was like, I haven't really read that much this year. And then I ended up with like three lists. Um, if you don't mind, I have like a top five series that I'll run through really quickly. Okay. If you'll humor me all. <laughs> um, so my top five issues to start, I'd have to say that uh, Black Bolt number four, which I'm pretty sure came out this year, uh, was the Crusher Creel episode, episode issue. Um, and I just thought that one was really good. And it was the thing that I sold William on trying the series as well, my husband. Um, and the series overall is great, but I think that one was really poignant. Um, I agree, Immortal Hulk number one and two, because those ones felt very episodic and really hit that horror nail on the head and the art was really solid and really good. Um, I liked Crowded because Crowded, number one, because I think it was a really f solid first issue. It, it did its job as a first issue. It, it hooked me, it gave me a good concept and it really had me curious about more. Um, Infinity 8, I'd say that first arc, one through three, which also I'm... I, pretty sure came out this year um that one was just the best it was like love and mummies or something and it was like a romance comic but it wasn't trying to be a romance comic but it was so mm -hmm. it was delightful um new world number one which chris reviewed earlier this year um i read that first issue and it was just so good and trad moore's art is just phenomenal in it like i liked his luther strode artwork but i think this one is just like above and beyond it's gorgeous colors and everything um the top five trades that I had, I also said Petite, book one. Um, again, that one was just really good, really fun to dive into. Um, I enjoyed Water Snakes, which I reviewed on this podcast. Um, everything about it I thought was really great. And, of course, My Boyfriend is a Bear is on this one because I laughed, <laughs> I cried, and then I laughed and cried some more. Um, I put Manfred the Man on here. I forgot I had read that one, and that one was so much fun. It's a man who's a cat and a cat who's a man. So in this world, it's reversed, and it was just so funny. That made two other end of your list. I saw. Did it? Yeah. Yeah, and all the men are like kind of pop-bellied guys and stuff. I don't know. It was super cute. And then I put um, Purdy book one on here. Um, it had to make the list for me because it was uh, really refreshing. You know, read a, a western with uh, with this woman who didn't give a care and just kind of took what she wanted, and she was a different um, body type as well. I just I just really thought it was pretty solid. And then. Real quick, top five series, Unnatural, Isola, Maestros, Superman, and Lockjaw. All right. Great. It was really it was really hard. I have like <laughs> 10 honorable mentions I'm not even going to bother with. Sounds yeah. like it was a good year. Yeah. Um, Cole, it's amazing. What, what are your top uh, books from this well, year? Well, I, I don't follow instructions well, so <laughs> I, uh, I, it's really hard for me to remember individual issues. I, I'm like... You know, Nicole's got the right idea. I should keep a journal. Um, maybe next year. Uh, maybe. But the, 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 the top five series that uh, I enjoyed were, of course, Batman, White Knight, 
um, Mr. Miracle, which I have not yet read the final issue of mm-hmm. yet, and I'm actually kind of like not wanting to, because mm. it really did. That had you know uh, I, I raved about uh, King and um, uh, Walta's uh, Vision series. This is on a par with it. In fact, I think it's better. There is a moment. There are a couple of moments in it that are self-reflective in the Mr. Miracle series, and one of them is when um, I think they're just kind of casually passing by. Um, uh, I don't know if even know if it exists, but Jack Kirby's uh, Jack Kirby's uh, signature in um, uh, on the Walk of Fame in cement. I don't know if that's a real thing, but it choked me up very hard <laughs> because the series is so much about parenting and fathers and and families and f- the families falling apart wait till uh, you read number 12 i see i don't <laughs> I, you know, I don't want the series to be over but i also know it's going to kick me in the gut um i'm with nicole on isola uh the story has much to build on but Absolutely. the artwork and the colors are just outrageous it's not the new saga uh because it doesn't have enough plots happening in it doesn't have enough it, character development it but made it's a, a huge rich, misstep that mm, prologue that yeah. nobody's read but me mm. needs to be in the collection i see and they made a huge misstep with that where was the prologue it was in the back of motor crush volume two okay. in single issues that's really unhelpful yeah. <laughs> i know in single issues of in the single issues of Motor Crush. And what's obnoxious, it's not in the trade paperback, but they're going to release a trade. special one-shot to give the people. And the only okay, way I that you that. can... Yeah, so Isola number six, it'll match your orders with that. But you can't just reorder it. Otherwise, I'd give it to everybody. Anyway, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. I digressed. <laughs> but I, just I don't wanted, think I even knew about that. Okay, well... I'm just saying that I think it was a big misstep for Isola as it. much as I love that series. I love it because of the artwork. The characters I don't find particularly compelling yet, but... No, you could. You could. Can you say something? I was going to say, in general, uh, not too many people are comparing it to Saga. Um, yeah, it's y- not a one-to-one. Yeah, that, you've, you've, you've said it m- numerous times that it's not going to replace Saga, and it's like yeah. nobody's said that. We just recommend it people who miss Saga because Saga's not here. Okay. It's just another fantasy book that we yeah, like to is. recommend, you know? Um, all right, I'll get off that stick. No, <laughs> um, And the last one that... Uh, uh, I enjoyed was uh, the Snagglepuss Chronicles mm-hmm. exit stage left. Not as strong to my mind as the Flintstones, and it ended on a really awkward downbeat. Mm. But I'm hoping that Russell will come back and give us more of that series because it really just morphed from one thing about art and theater and gay culture and then just turned into something else entirely when mm. we got to the end because it goes I don't want to give anything away but if you've read the series uh, you know hit me up uh, but I'm hoping that we will uh, it'll it'll explore that new world that was introduced right at the last like the last panel mm-hmm. um, and for graphic novels the Joe Schuster story by Julian Veloge and Thomas Compey um, I thought was uh, a real triumph uh, for comic history, and also it's just a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, Kaiju Max season three by Xander Cannon, and the only I, I was, I you know, I, I went through my mental list and and my library list and everything, and I couldn't find any other graphic novels or trades that I'd read that impacted me, other than maybe like you know Harrow County, which mm. I think is always scores lands really well with me because I love how it's gone from being a very moody. Uh, uh, gothic horror to kind of opening up this wider world of horror fantasy mm-hmm. in this rural setting, and I think it's quite inspired. 
Cool. All right. I also asked you to, to uh, mention a few of your favorite events that happen in the comics world. And I'm, of course, I'm not talking about like Secret War type events, right. but, you know, things that happen in the comics and in the comics uh, realm. And Cole, do you have any, uh, let's, let's go in the reverse circle now. Cole, do you have any favorite things that happen in the comics world from 2018? Our two panel jumper live events. <laughs> That's totally legit. I think so. Yeah, man. <laughs> and we've got a th we've got we've got another one coming up early 2019 that we're preparing for. But yeah, we had two. Uh, we had Lonnie Mann as our industry guest on one of them, and uh, before that we had Kazuki Buishi, of course, friend of the show and friend of the store. That's mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two mm -hmm. phenomenal shows. So the next one, I don't know if we've been. Pitching it, but we mentioned it once. Uh, February twenty second, yeah. Friday, February twenty second, will be Panel Jumper Live Chapter Seven. Ugh, seven. Good lord. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Nicole. Do you have any favorite things that happened in the comics, comic book world in the last year? I can think of one if you don't mention it. Yeah. Well, uh, Black Panther. Yeah, the Black Panther <laughs> movie event that we did, where we uh, sent a middle school to uh, uh, to see Black Panther uh, around the weekend of Emerald City Comic Con, which is always my favorite comic event, and I always try to attend. Fingers crossed, I can attend in 2019. <laughs> Um, but yeah, those those were the two for me for sure. Cool. Yeah. What about you, Chris? So I didn't choose favorites or best. I just said things that were important. Okay. That's good. Um, and on that list, uh, there was Black Label, DC's Black Label stumbling out of the gate and failing. <laughs> um, falling flat on their face. Falling right. flat on their face. Good. Yep. <laughs> and that, that, that's how it said important. Oh, important. Uh, yeah, right. not good okay, or favorite. Sorry, Ooh, I wasn't listening. <laughs> um, next would be the DC digital streaming service, which I think is is part of the stream wars that I stream wars. Uh, am, am anticipating. Extreme Wars? Um, Uncanny X-Men going weekly, I think, is the first uh, major uh, death nail for the X-Men franchise. No. And then uh, the end of the ID Transformers universe. It's been oh. 13 oh. years, and it's been put to bed this last month. So hmm. uh, that's important to me. So this is, like <laughs> I said, not good or best, <laughs> but important things. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I can think of one other thing, and that is a uh, the opening of the Corner Comics store in Kirkland. Mm -hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm sorry. I'm in the year. trenches right now. <laughs> 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 All right. And uh, so, great. Well, well, that is 2019. Our favorites for 2019. We'll... we'll for 20 for 2018 <laughs> and uh and 2019 is right around the corner and who knows what the next year has in store but before we do that let's move on to book report everybody and nicole let's start with you what do you want to tell us about uh so i've read the uh first two issues of the exorcisters series which is published by image um written by ian boothby boothby and Giselle Legacy, who does uh, Menage a Trois or Menage a Three, uh, who I, which I love, which is Sexy Archie. I've talked about it before. Um, she's the artist on here. And then uh, there's a couple other names that I don't know who are associated with what. The colorist is uh, Pete Pentazzi, and the letter is uh, Taylor Esposito. Um, and it follows uh, Kate, who has a sister who is kind of more of a rocker. Kate's kind of more of the... Um, the kind of librarian-looking type, and they both, uh, <laughs> and they both um, take on these supernatural things of um, like a like a uh, uh, groom to be being um, 
uh, taken down to hell and the bride hiring them to try to figure out what happened. Um, another one where there's a, a possession uh, and they think it's the daughter, but it's the father. And um, they tend to solve the, the, the issues fairly quickly. And there's some other stuff going around it, which is interesting. The, the mother shows up and, and she's got some uh, tiding, some dealings with uh, demons and different things like that. So, and, and then Kate, she, her sister is not necessarily her sister. It's like a bit of her. Um, and you get a little bit more of what that is in uh, chapter two. And uh, it's really fun. I think the arts, it's, I love her artwork. Um, it's just, it's delightful. You get all these like little impish demon characters drawn so wonderfully. And, and, and uh, it's a really lighthearted thing. Like it's a, it's a funny book for sure, you know. So every issue you get a little bit more and it's it's very enticing. I think I'm probably going to get this like in a collection at some point. I just I, just cuz I love Giselle alone, but also because I think the story is really fun and it kind of reminds me a little of like Maestros and the fun that that was in that series. Um so yeah, if you want to have a funny book <laughs> that's delightful, month to month, you can get um, Exorcisters. Great, cool. Yeah. Thank you, Nicole. Yeah. Uh, Chris Casso, what do you got for us? I will attempt to be brief. Brief. <laughs> so, uh, Transformers oh. is over. <laughs> and uh, there were two end cap books. They ended everything with a, a six-issue series called Unicron, um, and that's finished and over with. So uh, these are the two after issues that finish up the two sister titles, The Lost Light and Optimus Prime. Um, the very nice thing about the end of all of this is that um, IDW did not force the giant crossover that ended their universe into the story of The Lost Light. It had its own plot, its own characters, its own resolution, and it did it all on its own and never mentioned Unicron. That is refreshing. It was sad and sad and very well done and very emotional. Um, and it's the perfect end cap for many ways. Um, miniature spoilers, like... The quest that the characters are on is resolved. All the relationships kind of resolve. It starts with the death of a character millions of years in the future. So it's like it's all a funeral issue. And it's all kind of a series of flashbacks and flash forwards. And it's just masterfully done. And it basically ends with uh, a depressing story that ends it and a happy story that ends it. Because they have to basically retire and half of them have to go to prison and half of them have to disappear but their ship has a quantum engine and if you hit it just right it'll make a duplicate and so they made a duplicate and somewhere in the universe all these characters <laughs> are flying around in a brand new alternate reality wow. and it's just like that hits me in the feels <laughs> <laughs> the Optimus Prime book um, deals with the aftermath of Unicron. And basically, it's it's just placed on all the themes of the series of uh, PTSD, um, different character relations, um, forgiveness. And uh, the thing about the entire run of Optimus Prime is that they made a hard point that he is incredibly flawed. And while he's always trying to do the right thing, he's never in a winning situation. And so most of the time, even though the right thing was done, the bad things happened. And so he died at the end of the series. He saved the universe with a hug. I'll let you find out about that on your own. <laughs> but uh, so there's there's a funeral for him. And it's basically, it you know, a lot of characters just saying, 
he was a hero and a killer and a war uh, a warrior and a liar and uh, destruction was his companion so it ends on the very morose tone for him but it also follows the story of the character RC who uh, is a trans character and at the end of Unicron was kissing her girlfriend on the moon next to the American flag so there's a lot of great messages here <laughs> and she's telling the story of, of, of their history to a bunch of humans and animals and robots and they're all like little kids listening about the future so it's like yes not a single thing that I predicted happened which is amazing because that means that they surprised me but it also made me sad because there's a lot of things I felt that they could have done for example just real quick <laughs> Optimus Prime fell into a black hole and that's how he died megatron has a black hole in his heart it would have been nice if he pulled optimus prime from his heart but okay he didn't have to do that you know stuff like that so it was very it's it's a great capping to 13 years of stories wow. and uh who can say that they actually got to do it the way they wanted to do it yeah so it's great i was happy all right. How many times does Optimus Prime have to die? Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. He's Mecha Jesus. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Chris. And finally, Cole Hornaday, what do you got for us? Well, um, a couple uh, months back, we talked about, uh, we had a whole episode devoted to Middlebrow and the dangers of Middlebrow comics and difficulty of selling them. And, and we kind of pulled out the example of Ahoy Comics because they, uh, they were going to try a new model with uh, Comics Plus prose and whatnot and um i read the first issue of the wrong earth because it actually did kind of intrigue me even though it seemed a little uh brushing up well a lot of bit cliched so um it's uh, written by tom pyre and uh, drawn by uh jamal uh Eigel. um and it's basically the story of uh adam west just to use examples, because it's all analog, and that's what you're working against with this story, is uh, Adam West Batman meeting Frank Miller Batman. And there's a, you know, a rift in their universes, and it opens with, you know, uh, I can't remember what the bad guy's name. I don't know if it, is, it really matters. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a big, uh, a big trap, and Dragonfly Man, our hero, and uh, Stinger, his uh, boy sidekick, are caught by the villain in this, in this big trap. And it all looks very much like the Adam West uh, TV series and then I can't quite remember and then we go to Fortune City 1 uh, Earth Omega where you meet you know the dark version which is uh, the grim and gritty dark version which is the guy just calls himself Dragonfly and there are uh, tons of homages to uh, references to to Batman from both sides of the, the Silver Age and the grim and gritty 80s spectrum um, I actually kind of enjoyed it I was kind of surprised. The thing that sells it is uh, 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 Jamal Eigel's artwork. I think is really, really fine. Uh, it looks, it reminds me of uh, um, uh, Marshall Rogers, old school, with a touch of Michael Golden. And that was a good selling point. I think the layouts and the colors are lovely. Um, my only issue, I, I, and I'm curious, I don't know if I'll make it through. I think it's a five-issue series. Do you hmm. recall? Uh, it's doing well, so it might get okay. more. All right. Um, <laughs> 
uh, I was a little. I bought this online. I was a little miffed because I realized that there was either a rub or a flaw on the cover. I did like enough to stop. Seriously, stop and go. I think I might have to replace this. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, I want to follow it. I want to see what happens because it just helped me. Well, Chris, it just seems to me we've done stories like this before, and they've always leaned toward. There was not a hep, happy, healthy medium that's found. The dark and the grim takes over and demolishes the sweetness and the light. This has a balance? Yeah, well, I'm, I want to read it to find out if that's what's going to happen mm. here or if it's just going to be a frustrating back and forth of, 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 of sad and, and uh, infuriating jokes with the grim and gritty dragonfly and, and the, uh, you know, in the swap in the world. It's like, is it, is there going to be, is it going to be about humor or is it going to be about discovery and, and creating a level playing field? I think there will be a balance just from the history of Tom Pyre. He's mm-hmm. a very clever and layered writer. Okay. Um, and the book Our Man had a lot of that darker, sadder stuff, but he always had a tinge of hope, no matter what, mm-hmm. and some very earnest, heartfelt characterization. I never read that Our Man series, and I remember you um, were really, really fond of it. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm going to say, unless he just is like, I want darkness now, yeah. I think he'll balance no. it. Um, okay. Well, yeah. then um, I will, I haven't subscribed to it, but, you know, I will. I will try to keep it on my radar. Hmm. So, cool. There's a few more issues out in case you. Are don't there? Know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. The wrong Earth. The Thank wrong you, Earth. Cole. Well, that is book important. That is our show. Coming up is quiz time. But before we go, I want to tell you that the Perfect Bound Podcast is brought to you by the Panel Jumper. See everything Cole Hornaday and I do at thepaneljumper.com, as well as Comic Dungeon here at 319 Northeast 45th Street in beautiful downtown Wallingford, or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at comicsdungeon.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or however you get your comics at perfectboundpodcast.com. Send us an email, perfectboundpodcast at gmail.com. And now, friends, get your quiz hats on it's quiz time and this week our questions come to us from nicole lay it on us nicole you are flawless tonight ben lawrence <laughs> simply flawless oh man it takes so All much right. effort <laughs> <laughs> word up <laughs> all right so this quiz time is called the super dating game Yay. where you can find the super man of your dreams <laughs> question one I will, well, first of all, I'm going to tell you about the guy. You tell me the guy. Okay. okay. Right. Back in my, into my alter ego, Mr. Fluffy Pants. I don't know. I don't have a name. This recently eligible bachelor loves the night and justice, has a strange obsession with bats, and can be stopped in his tracks if you say his mother's name, Martha. <laughs> Who is this bachelor of the night? Batman. Why did you say Martha? (laughs) Why did you say that name? Martha? Is that your mother too? Okay. This eligible bachelor is an ex-criminal with a heart of gold, (laughs) has a great sense of humor, is really flexible, and has cool, cool glasses. Recently released from his encased prison in Batman's basement, who is this stretchy bachelor? Could that be Plastic Man? Yes, indeed. Patrick (laughs) Eel O'Brien. That's right. Number three. This eligible bachelor was never formally charged with an RGWI, riding a goat while intoxicated. He is really bummed about losing his hammer, though. He loves working out and is friends with an alien horse, no judgment. If you like accents, you'll love his Asgardian. Who is this Thundercracker beefcake? Odinson. Yes. Odinson. 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 All right, last question. This eligible bachelor is a tortured soul with a duality problem, but don't worry, he looks great in a lab coat and is both brains and brawn. He has all the personalities, or uh, personality, one could ever want. 
With him on your arm, you'll make all the other gals green with envy. Who is this brainy hunk? <laughs> I thought you would enjoy this one, Cole. Bruce Banner. <laughs> yeah, and that is the Super Dating Game. Hooray! Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Nicole. And thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.